0: Smoking, smoking another black, pull another up You know that we can really ease your mind I a, we'll a river I didn't know how fly If everybody smoked a blubberly we mind the really mind What could be a better place? If everybody took a break and we all just get wasted Joke, da, da, da. Smoke, dark dog, da. Smoke, Joke, da, da. another,
1: oh, 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 oh. Uh-huh. Good afternoon, you're listening to Cannabis Corner on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, broadcasting live from downtown New Haven. We are streaming live on TuneIn Radio and newhavenindependent.org. We're also streaming live video on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash Independent or facebook.com slash Media, Or go to your Facebook page, you look us up. And you can hit C first and you can hear all the great programs that we have here on WNHHLP. It is Monday, October the 10th, 1010, 10 2022, uh, formerly known as Columbus Day, uh, but now known as Indigenous Peoples Day, so it is technically a federal holiday today. I am here joined by my co-host, Uncle Lou, Lou Vega. How are you doing today, Lou?
2: Hey, how's it going, brother?
1: I'm doing well. How are you doing on this fine day? I'm doing well.
2: Good. Um, you know, it's another one of those beautiful things. It's uh, the only Christopher we recognize as Wallace, as per the great Jay-Z.
1: Um, That's right, especially you know, down where I live. They don't really like that guy too much.
2: No, nah, we don't do that. We <laughs> don't do that. We have uh, <laughs>
1: They're no, we're down, don't know. no. The whole thing. we so, do not celebrate so. Columbus Day. No, i never about celebrated that,
2: that. Columbus Day.
1: <laughs> no, I never saw the point, especially when you find out the truth It kind of takes the luster off everything, uh, you know, just kind of brings forth the, the kind of stuff that we were fed as kids. That isn't true, but it's convenient. Anyway, big news this week coming out of the cannabis industry. Big news coming from the White House. Everybody made a big deal about it. I just wanted to uh, read the statement from our president, Joe Biden, regarding cannabis. So he says, uh, he says, as I often stated during my campaign for president, no one should be in jail for using or just possessing marijuana. Sending people to prison has upended too many lives, et cetera, et cetera. So today. I am announcing three steps that I'm taking to end this failed approach. First, I'm announcing a pardon of all federal offenses of simple possession of marijuana. I have directed the attorney general to develop an administrative process for the issuance of certificates of pardon to eligible individuals. There are thousands of people who have prior federal convictions for marijuana possession who may be denied employment, housing, or educational opportunities as a result. Okay, second, I'm urging all governors to do the same with state offenses, as no one should be in prison solely due to the possession of marijuana. No one should be in local state jail. Now, here's the one that I think is important. I'm asking the secretary of health and human services and the attorney general to initiate administrative process to expeditiously review how marijuana is scheduled under federal law. Federal law currently classifies marijuana in schedule one of the controlled substances act and the classification is meant for the most dangerous substances. So, um, what do you think, Lou? Uh, he came out. I know we had Jason on a couple weeks ago, and he's heavily spearheaded this campaign. And even he says this is not enough. It's more of a token gesture.
2: It is completely a token gesture currently. And this is just my opinion. I'm not. I'm not a political. I'm just some guy who hangs around and smokes weed. But ultimately, we know that the police have used. Uh, That many people, everybody, has used the idea of the the smell of cannabis, the view of it, or anything like that as a reason to go in for a thousand other things. It was always that one thing that was the starter. So to say that you're going to do this just for individuals that are just solely cannabis, that means if you got a simple possession, that was because you walked into a a state park and had a little bit of weed on you so now it's a federal charge it's not talking about anything that actually matters you know what i mean there's too many times that families were broken up over this idea come in and then you get 10 or 15 different charges all racked on top of it because the marijuana charge wouldn't stick well enough or something like that you know this is this is a farce so you know it's only the step one getting the change would be the biggest thing and you know, there's a lot of things. And as we've learned, sometimes it's not better to just go with the flow to just get the bigger picture. Because as we've learned, the government doesn't, give, doesn't care about the uh, bigger picture. They're literally just word by word on certain things. So as long as we continue to push for exactly what we want, we'll make sure all the words are in there, not just some of the ones that just make it look cool. So this is going to help some people, but it's not going to help a ton of people. And then what does it do? It kind of makes the states focus on their laws as well, because realistically, now you urge the state to do this because this is a state level. It's Cannabis is yeah, legal really. in Connecticut.
1: When, when you look at it, from what I understand, there are hardly any people incarcerated in federal... Right. Prison for simple marijuana possession. If they're incarcerated, it's for trafficking or right or something that involved you know guns or something. Right. So, but I think one good thing is that it, I hope it will expunge the records of those who were previously convicted and who may be out now. You know, who may have already served their time or may have been released, uh, or may have done probation or whatever. I think that's one thing that it will help. And I agree with you. I think the big thing is the rescheduling. Um,
2: Rescheduling. And then another huge thing is that it sets precedent for the states. So now if the federal government is doing this now, it literally, because that's what I believe his advisors and everything said, listen, they probably were sitting there smoking a blunt or drinking a drink or doing whatever they do up in the the places.
1: Drinking blood.
2: Drinking, drinking blood. That's right. So they're over there (laughs) drinking blood. And they are uh, going through their process. Well, what what can we do to get people off of our back but won't really do anything? Oh, simple possession on the federal level. Now we make it a state's issue. And the states now need to take care of the, that same thing on the state level. Because most of the state level simple possessions are what they would go. Because some of my charges were simple possession.
1: Mine as well.
2: You know what I mean? <laughs>
1: Besides, Besides the others, God, but
2: know, possession was in you. there. <laughs> well, you know, God bless the the court system that you you know you get arrested for something and then you have to go through the entire system, get beat up, do the whole thing, and then hopefully at the end you get convicted of something after you've fought your case and done everything. So I was convicted of uh, possession. That was one of the things,
1: right. Right, right, mine too.
2: You know, <laughs> they, that's, that's, that's not they, what
1: they really wanted me for.
2: <laughs> they, they got me what they wanted me for. What I got convicted of was a completely different thing.
1: Yeah, they actually dropped the possession charge. <laughs> yeah, we don't need that. <laughs> they were like, we, don't that. Don't we don't got that. We got you. We found the scales. We found the bag. We found
2: everything. We don't need the possession.
1: <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> We yeah, set you up.
2: Now, like, <laughs> we talk about it now. I'm off. You know what I mean? And this is where the potential new senator that's coming on, you know, if, if Michael becomes, you know, and this is where we get to do this. I love having we've had so many prospective politicians on this over the last couple of months, some active politicians. We have people that can actually um, influence what you're doing. And this is why people should be involved. As I tell everybody, get involved in your local government town meetings your your, right. your city councils the state level stuff if you're up to it do it I can't do that stuff no more um <laughs> me but I'll I'll do my local stuff I love because, because I love my local area and I just as much as I love my state and I love everything we got going on but my local community is directly affected by so many things that as long as I make sure I stay active I can actually see those positive things happen you know what I mean and right. big shout out as always to Robin Porter she's been doing her thing and. Um, And all the other great people that do support the cause and really do stuff for their constituents. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And and that's the way I'm looking at it. I did see already that Florida, the Florida attorney general is now urging the governor to do the same thing to pardon and to release all the uh, state level cannabis, um, you know, prisoners in Florida. So that's already one state. That has uh, started to take up on the recommendations. And I agree with you. I think other states are going to do the same. Um,
2: I everybody has their comments and opinions about Florida. First one, we believe, huh? First one to come out and do it. I believe that at this point. People will agree or disagree or the method of it, but you can only agree that Florida has become very cannabis friendly. Yes.
1: Yes, unfortunately there's a certain one company that kind of controls the industry down there. It's very you think Connecticut is corporate? You ought to go to Florida and super see super corporate. Super. All you see is Cureleaf, Trueleaf and there's one Toronto. other one. Yeah, that's the other one. And that's it. There are no like
2: everywhere. That's all that, it is. It is great corporate stores. Yes. But they love their cannabis. Yes, yes, they are putting laws in place, not for the regular consumer, not for the home person. And once again, we're not saying they're good laws. No, this is one. This is where we have to. This is when we start talking about the stuff and going back and forth and learning. We're not saying they're great laws. No. We're not saying that. We're just saying that they are opening the floodgates for the MSOs to do their thing. There for cannabis. If you got enough money, go ahead and because it was a Florida company that bought the. Verano, Verano, yes. they came up here. So they were all huge in Florida. There was the, that was the Hooters people, right? Yep. Not to yep. sound rude or anything about it, but they, they owned the chain of Hooters that then sold it and turned it into cannabis.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. And um, yeah, and unfortunately, Florida is looking at legalization, but they are looking to just hand it right over to the, to the corporate entities that already exist in there, which We prevented Connecticut from doing here, but, you know, look, we still ended up with a mess. But I mean, originally that was Connecticut's plan to legalize, turn it over to the four existing growers and then start licensing after that. And it was through the efforts of, like you said, Robin Porter, Jason, myself, Kibra, you, all the other activists who were involved in that, who got on their you know, their ass and said, no, we're not going to have it this way. And I don't know who's activists down in Florida. I don't know if they're going to, you know, if they're going to fight this bill or just let it go through. But we have to know that down in Florida, obviously we have a large retirement community. Yeah. And, and, and we know that now the community that is the largest sector of cannabis users has now become the baby boomers And the older people, because they're using it for medicinal purposes and they're retired and they figure, what the hell, I'm going to smoke weed and live in Florida. Um, So I think they're serving their public, uh, you know, the way they feel that they should. But do I agree with it? No, Uh, I don't agree that you should turn over the whole industry to corporate entities because we live in a state where that happened and we see what happens. They take. They take advantage of their monopoly and they start putting on
2: lesser quality. I have to say, even with so the way the state did it here, they set it up because, yeah, we went back and forth and a bunch of stuff didn't go as it is. And everyone on that side can completely say, oh, we set it up for the individual to take advantage and do what they could do. And we didn't just hand it over, but then set the financial bar so high that
1: they had the people had to partner up. If you're an equity person, where are you going to come up with $3 million? You have to partner up with somebody. Well,
2: see, this is where. So once again, if I would have gotten mine, I would I would have been taking a big loan. Right. From a from an angel investment firm firm um, that doesn't own any other.
1: That doesn't it's own not any. an MSO. It's an investment firm that specializes in women's owned businesses, veteran owned businesses. And minority-owned businesses. That's
2: and it is. everybody's got their own devils, and we appreciate them all as they are. But that's where people say, "Hey, where do you get the money?" Look at traditional investing at this point. You know what I mean? Like, yep. great thing. Like our friend Sarah, uh, Sarah from Veterans and Nada. Money from the bank. I think it was <laughs> her local bank. She took a loan. Yeah, which is awesome. You know, she was able to put it against the business. That's where there is now some type of traditional funding for these things. And as much as it's like, oh, well, there's no way out other than to just partner with an MSO. Well, you can opt out of the MSO option and go a different way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Find
1: a private investor or a bank, like you said, because now they are a lot more open. But we have just been joined by our guest, and I'm interested in his take on this um because you know it's something that is going to be in the forefront for the next few years at least on the state level so oh yeah right now with us we have michael or he is a hartford resident and he is a writer entrepreneur teacher activist and a state senate candidate for the 2022 election in district one of connecticut He's run a small comic book company and ran an independent record level for, the, for several years. For the last two years, he has been protesting systemic racism and advocating for a change in the state of Connecticut. His decision to run for Seddon is to embolden his advocacy work further and finally give the community an identifying voice. Moreover, it is only the first step towards his much bigger goal to become the president of the united states michael how are you today hey how's it going good welcome to the show thanks, thanks for coming for on we here. appreciate it i appreciate um, it, you. so i'm sure you heard a little bit of our discussion earlier on about joe biden's new uh new uh ruling that he just came out with yeah, and i'm so wondering what was sure. your take on that
2: So so first off, before we go all up into that, because I really look forward to that, I just would like to make sure not to pass over the idea at all and the statement, because this is very important. The young man said he wants to be the next president of the United States. So if you're sitting here listening, give the young man a follow. Make sure you start following his career. This is a lifelong goal that he has started to set right now. All we let's can do is help make support it, happen. it yeah. and let's make it happen. Mike, You're at Mike for CT. Let's make that happen. Your local community is the part of it that's going to make that happen. So, yes, hopefully, as the next future president, what is your thoughts on this situation? Well, that's you know, right.
0: hopefully, hopefully, you know, uh, you know, when I reach that point, this won't even be an issue anymore, especially with things uh, becoming more relaxed, and especially... With uh, you know Biden's um, you know pardoning of a lot of individuals, I don't know if a lot of people follow me from you know when I was doing a lot of cannabis advocacy, uh advocacy work, but um, you know we were one of the the main people at BLM860 fighting I, to I remember. Yeah, you know, um, and there's actually a video on um, on my Senate page for my testimony uh, to back up you know my statements today, but um. You know, big thing for me is is absolutely um, ending this war on drugs, um, and the individuals who were, you know, primarily impacted, black and brown communities, um, not just individuals who possessed, but individuals who, um, you know, felt that that uh, selling marijuana was the only way for them to survive. Um, I believe that those individuals should be directly supported. Um, I heard you guys talking about how, you know, we have to get angel investments and, you know, we have to get all the, this money in order to, to, to close the fees and all that. I do know that because of our advocacy work, that individuals who were impacted by the war on drugs, some of them are actually capable of getting an equity license, but they have to jump through all these hurdles. And it's my belief that they shouldn't have to have to jump through any hurdles. They should be uh, they should be not only pardoned, but they should be assisted and getting their cultivators license their delivery license whatever they need in order to you know you know uh to go along with the regulations that are in place now because you know we can't just can sidestep that stuff um but i think that individuals who were directly impacted by the war on drugs should be the first ones to to get any um access to the right. industry you know yeah, and, i agree and and it's crazy you know people might say that 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 uh, is unreal or it's not uh, it's not possible, but it's equitable. And if you guys want to create some sort of equity license, then the the most equitable stance you can take on it is making sure that individuals affected by the war, uh, the war on drugs have first access to it. And that's what I, you know, testify for. I remember uh, when, when that was a main key point of the bill that ended up passing to get us legalization. Absolutely. uh, We almost killed it. Yeah. They almost killed it because of this very this very uh this piece of information that a lot of advocates work to get as a part of that bill they killed it for that very reason and that's the reason why we have these uh these these three million dollar fees and you know Mm -hmm. all these unequitable things that are a part of a bill centered on equity um that's why we we're here where we are now with that situation because you know individuals lied (laughs) i agree (laughs) I won't say any names but you know some some people lied about who would get access um and they and they said that basically uh you know uh rich white rich white uh guys who did you know cannabis related crimes would have access to the to the equity licenses when that wasn't even a possibility because of specific uh, uh earnings um there's a, a specific uh writing for individuals who were under a certain income level to have right. access to it. With this was already a part of the bill so so for them to basically pull the circle jerk with this this saying oh these people will get access it was a lie in order for us to to rewrite the bill or veto it it was it was honestly a mess but you know, I know, um, I was there. I remember you were there. So, you know, <laughs> but just in case anybody listening wasn't aware of like what happened behind the scenes. It was a mess. It yeah. was terrible.
1: It came down to the point where in the original bill, it had said people who had been directly impacted by the war on drugs would benefit from this. But then they switched it to the geographical location, yeah. which is where they allowed you know, like you said, rich white people, just because they live, I I made this example, I live in Stratford, okay? Stratford is designated as an area that is, you know, was affected by the war on drugs. But there's two halves to Stratford. There's two sides to Stratford. There's the south side and the north side. North side of Stratford is definitely not low income. And it's, it's, it's a whole different community. But just because they designated Stratford, as a an, a highly impacted area, now anybody who lives in Stratford can apply, and to me that 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 was the one aspect of the bill that I thought they really screwed it up, but I also thought it was done purposely, um, and that was the one thing that we were ready to kill the bill over. I know Robin Porter said, you know, unless you switch it to those people where you actually go in and look at their records and say. You know, this person was adversely affected by the war on drugs. Let's give him a shot. Then you're not doing it in the fair and equitable way. And then you see what we have right now. Now we have this whole system where, you know, any, you know, state senators are getting a license and, you know. That's crazy.
0: You know, know, we have we have time to fix it, you know, because we do. Because I know Colorado, they made a lot of mistakes when they they actually were the the biggest guinea pig. If, if if you know if we look back, they did they did a bunch of stuff with like the highest limits and you know all like I think their their plant limit when they first started was like twenty or something, and now it's down to like five or something. Like we have time to kind of change. Ninety nine, it was, it was ninety nine. Yeah, it was yeah, they went with the federal. Yeah, it was a lot. Um, but it, it's down now, though, right? Like, it, it, yeah, for, um, yeah.
2: So, th- so there's a lot tough. of so. Those are all just come down to. So Massachusetts also had this issue. They did that social equity, and then everybody started gelling that it was too many upper class white guys. And you wait a second, what happened? Right. Well, the rule was, and this is where it goes. If you were affected by it, meaning your child, your spouse, your Parent, cousin, cousin <laughs> whatever right now we see and say how many people how many individuals of affluence sit down every day and say not my kid my kid won't get in trouble and then fast forward a couple years it's their kid because of the lifestyle that they live that now got arrested and have the have everything fast forward a couple years Oh, my son's uh, recovered. He's good. He needs his shot. Now dad and son go into business, and dad's got fifty million dollars that he could just throw into the pot and say, up, oh, it's for my son. You know what I mean? That's that same nepotism. It's the same sideway practices that have been going on for ages. We look at the uh this is something I'm learning now as an agriculturalist, the minority farmer thing. Um as we move forward with that how many construction companies are being put in their wife's name how many uh, to, to get the minority you know what i mean so we're watching everybody run run the gambit on all of this in so many ways and it's like what do we do you know who's who's the the battle And that's where the biggest part i believe that happens around here is what flag does everybody fly under when there's 18 different battles to be fought and everybody believes that their <laughs> battle battle is the most important in their aspect of where they are for their personalness versus what's actually good for the greater good. Right, and I yeah. think that sometimes we see that more than anything. The idea of the greater good is left out so much, especially in cannabis, I believe, right. um, because we see, we see tons of groups all over the country who do super specialized work and then they may fly under the same ban- banner of um, cannabis, but now you have a group of individuals who are coming in under the corporate sector. We have a group of individuals who are looking to go under the medical sector. We have a group of individuals who are looking to be in the recreational world, a group of individuals who are looking to be in tourism. Now we have the liquor industry that's coming into it as a business. We have tobacco industry that's trying to come in as a business. We have farmers who are looking to just save their lives. Now, when we have the medical market fighting against the farmers or the agriculturalist or the super tight wing bankers, everybody's fighting against each other and cannabis loses. You know what I mean? So this is okay. where... How do you make that determination on what you want to do? Because every year they redetermine the diverse, the DIA areas. And now this is just where people are getting arrested and where they live. How did New Canaan become one of those towns? Well, I rich. guess a lot of people from New Canaan get arrested for drugs and weed.
1: That's what happens in rich communities because right. the young kids got nothing to do. I know I grew up in Westport. This is how I got involved in drugs. It was a lot of sheer boredom. Nothing and better you know to what
2: do. <coughs> your your parents' affluence and where you grow up. So now you figure you're in your early 20s. Just put, We're just putting out an idea out there, a scenario. Now you're a child of affluence. Well, now a young adult. You're in your early 20s, not very much care in the world, still living under your parents' guise. You do all the things you do. You get arrested. The police book you. You are an individual. It doesn't matter who your parent is, what's your income? Zero dollars, twenty thousand, thirty thousand, forty thousand. That's their income, but they live in a beautiful house in a great community with a car, and this, and that, and a business write-off, and this, and all the other affluence that comes with generational wealth. And remember, when we say generational wealth, wealth is is typically defined at two hundred and fifty thousand plus. You know what I mean? So that's a that's. Where real life, you know, the top ten percent of the world enter that two hundred thousand dollar mark. So when you say wealthy, you know, you try to remember what that what some gauges is that that is here, especially in Connecticut. You know, Connecticut, we have townhouses that cost millions of dollars, and if you went to a town that wasn't as affluent, you go to Ohio or Omaha or uh, Texas, that that money goes five times as far, and that's where communities that aren't as uh financially stable as us here in the northeast they think we're all rich you know if we have family any place out in one of those smaller rural areas they i know that my family out when they were out in like tennessee through the army and everything they they were like oh no lou lives in connecticut they're the rich man they they got who's the boss money and it's like man now we just man i'm I have two college degrees. I have a master's degree and I make 80 grand a year working in McDonald's or something like that, you know, as as a McDonald's, you know, because that's a a general manager at McDonald's can make $80,000. So anybody who's listening, if that's a good job, get the job. Don't ever downplay anybody who works in the food service industry. That's my that was my original trade. So that's why, you know, that's a real thing. And now people who work in smaller communities that don't have that same thing, they're like, oh, man, a McDonald's manager making 80 grand. You're a rich man like that. We make 30 or 40 in our town. And that's real life. You know, Connecticut minimum wage is fifteen dollars. That's twice the national average. And that's that's crazy in general. You know what I mean? If we need to go to a doctor, doctors are less than 10 miles away from most of the state. Where there's some states that don't have a doctor with a 500 mile radius and yeah, things that cannabis because this is the cannabis corner and we're talking politics and the way the government goes and the way the country kind of runs out. We've seen that cannabis could can help so many different things, but now with the TV and internet and you know we joke about it and say new age something like that. But if you look at technology from the day the Wright brothers flew the first plane and The day Neil Armstrong landed on the moon was only 60, 66 years apart. Like, that's a lot of history because before flight. It was thousands of years without any of that jump in technology. Yeah. You know, now we're in such a fast place, fast place thing, world space that we're in. I believe cannabis is usually the only thing that binds us that brings us together that actually slows things down and kind of bonds communities throughout the state. So yeah, we're now, we can sit in a room, but there are people from that new Canaan area that went through that and that's their way in. Is it fair? Who knows? Now both of you both say fair. Everybody has to fight for their same side, but at some point you have to say cannabis hasn't won yet. No, let's make sure cannabis wins. That's so right. that we can all win, instead of fighting and battling and go in, because at this point, I think, I think cannabis is gonna win federally. Like yeah. it's like Michael said, by the time he's president, this shouldn't be an issue. We should you be talking I mean? about you know legalizing all drugs by then, right? And you know,
0: and you know, um, I don't have, and that's the thing is like I don't have a issue. With um, you know cannabis winning at all, of course, um, you know as long as we, as long as we are investing into the community, somewhere, you know, like I, I, I get what huge. you're saying. That sometimes we we gotta like we gotta ride it out and see what happens, and and you know, um, as long as as long as cannabis comes out on top, and and you know the, the money is going where it needs to go, and we can't truly be mad about everything. Sure, things haven't gone our way yet and that could change but um you know as long as you know how how colorado does things with a lot of their cannabis money is a lot of it goes back into education yeah huge huge and and and, you know if we get something like that uh can and and the the thing i like about colorado too is that they have like their pie charts and their graphs on like where the percentages are going And, uh, and if we can get to a point where connecticut has um you know all that information completely transparent I can only hope, um, you know. And then we can invest in into communities still. So we can invest into communities like mine, um, where we're dependent on a tax base to fund our mm-hmm. education. But we got a whole bunch of uh, uh, corporate landlords, you know, failing to, to pay their taxes on time, and you know, doing all these backhanded ways in order to avoid uh, paying their taxes, and that's impacting our education system. So I mean, Man. if we can, if we can still have cannabis win, and and our community gets that investment that it needs into education, and our medical field gets get that investment, our transportation, um, because you know our transportation, our transportation budget is garbage too in Connecticut. Then mm-hmm. um, we can start. Uh, we can we can at least be happy with some of those those wins, uh, um, you know, uh, going forward. But that's that's yeah. all I'm hoping if we can at least get there, you know. And, and I won't. Yeah. Kitchen and moan so much but let's
1: talk a little bit about your campaign um what motivated you to actually take this step and run for office
2: so oh. so i you're you were an entrepreneur and then yeah. activist, and now moving into here so could you just give us a little bit of that background i know that i know that interests me
0: yeah, the comic yeah. book and the record label do yeah, it. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh,
0: <laughs> so the record label was was very successful. Um, you know, pre-pandemic, we we were getting a lot of attention. And even now, you know, even though we've um kind of dis- disintegrated, um, my talent is still doing very well on their own. It's unfortunate. Um, you know, once maybe once I get my money back up, I can, you know, gather them back up, but uh and put them on tour because that was the goal before pandemic hit i mapped out a 22 city tour from florida all the way up to connecticut um you know and i was gonna have like five or six acts and we were just gonna you know tour up up till we get here and then fly back down and do it again you know um but you know the pandemic hit and it got to the point where i was like i i can't help you guys right now so i had to had to you know um uh, break that down and let them do their independent thing um so that was unfortunate as far as the comic book goes the comic book is still here but again pandemic got me messed up with that too so we've been on hiatus for for two years now and um i still have people who work for me in terms of like comics and stuff i have my assistant writers and and things like that because i'm the writer of our comic book one of oh, the, nice. the only comic books that we have um and you know it's it's just been an ordeal, but you know there, but there has been some beauty that has come about you know through activism and and through and, and sad to say it, through the pandemic um, in that like I got I got in touch with the community um, to fight for justice and and that's kind of when it started um, when when George Floyd was murdered in Minneapolis by the police, um, everyone saw it. There was no way for everyone to be like, oh, yeah, that, that's whatever, It's it happens. You know, like they did with a lot of the other cases where a select few stood up, you know, when Trayvon Martin was murdered and and things like that, Amad Arbery. Uh, for this, we were all able to come together and sort of like uh, speak up about it. So it was the opportune time to gather everyone in the community and, and really speak up. And that's what we ended up doing. Um, unfortunately, when the pandemic slowed down, a lot of people decided to go back in the house and we had to start doing things in a modern way again, which is mm. calling your legislator and asking, Hey, can you do this? Like it'll really help my community. And it was, it got to the point where if it's, if they go, eh, well, we, we could do that, but nah, there's some corporate interests. So we, we're not going to do everything that you're asking. Uh, cause we're going to go take some money <laughs> from right. some other oh, yeah, people we are, who, are, yeah, right. who are fighting against what you're talking about. And that's, that's terrible and that's the way that politics are, are done in Connecticut in every country and in, in every state um
1: yeah, so I it's, said it's a dirty game
0: Mike you know
1: you know, you know that um you yeah. I think you probably know what you're getting into right
0: and <laughs> it sucks you know um I, I uh that's the reason why I, I decided to run though because what we need is we need more individuals who who have an altruist uh perspective of dealing with our problems like I don't I don't need I don't need a direct payment for dealing with our garbage in my in my city because it's hurting my community. I don't need you to pay me. I live here. Like I don't need I don't need anyone to, to 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 cut me a check to solve this problem. And I don't need anyone trying to cut me a check to not solve it because it's directly impacting my community. So there's no give and take here. There's no there's no push and pull. There's just the issue and why we need to solve it and how it'll directly affect me because it's affecting all these other people. So that's right. the reason why I chose to run for office is to solve problems that are affecting me and that are also affecting the future generations. I'm an educator. So for me, the, the kids are the most important thing that we should be fighting for because we don't want to give them a world that we wouldn't want to live in. But unfortunately, there's a lot of people who are in office who don't care about the kids, who don't care about anyone else but themselves. Right. So we get into the situation where it's everybody everybody for themselves and no one cares about what's coming next. You know they're gonna be dead. Maybe that's their their perspective, so they don't care. But even with that, if you only care about yourself, what do you need? You know you're gonna die eventually. Then what do you even need all this? These hordes of of money for? Right. You know, it's, 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 let's it's, let's focus on the issues affecting everybody.
1: Yeah, it used to be a public service. You're supposed to be in there to serve the public. um, But what comes ends up happening and what has ended up happening in government is you end up serving corporate interests and you end up serving yourself. You know, there's all kinds of lobbyists and there's all kinds of different people with a lot of money who who speak louder. I guess money speaks louder than truth, unfortunately. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But uh, so state what you're in District one. What cities and towns does that
0: encompass? So that's uh, the South End and West End of Hartford and a large chunk of Weathersfield. Um, my incumbent has been in office for 30 years. So it's definitely like an uphill battle for me. Um, but, you know, I definitely feel, uh, I feel like I got, a lot, I got a lot of good uh, traction in the district. Not only that, but what a lot of people don't know is that a uh, large chunk of our voting population is actually, um, unaffiliated. So there are a lot of people who, so there are about maybe 550,000, uh, Democrats, um, in the state. And then there's about 300,000 Republicans in the state. There are about 950,000 independent and unaffiliated voters in the state of Connecticut. So they outnumber, uh, individuals who vote blue and who vote um, red. so I feel like um, I think that the state needs to start uh, considering these things not just the state but you know individuals in the community that we do have a chance of you know supporting people outside of the major parties um, you know to, that will serve the community because we know that the major parties are you know nothing against the major parties because there are individuals within them, that are interested in public good, but there's a lot of people who are not. And 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 what I'm finding is the people who are
1: interested in the public good are usually not the ones who rise up to the positions of power. So they don't become the speaker. You right. know, they're not the, the heads. They're not the guys at the top because the guys at the top play that political game. And the people who are actually interested in working for the people refuse to play it and therefore don't get the same opportunities to move up the chain as the ones who do and and you know hopefully you know I don't know if that can be changed because you know like you say it's it's a dirty game and it's about money but um, it's good to have at least it maybe if we can get more people who are actually interested in the community rather than in the in the in lining their pockets if we can get a majority of those people then maybe there could be a change now you're not running with any party then you're on unaffiliated or are you running with the well, green party or
0: anything yeah, like I got, that i got endorsed by the green party and um the green party are good people man their their goals it's crazy that they don't have more support considering um you know they they're fighting for public good um they, they were at every protest that I, that I hosted, um, they were at protests that I didn't even host. you know, advocating using their own voices, um, you know, showing that they, they have these beliefs, um, and they weren't trying to like capitalize on the moment or anything like that. They're just, they genuinely care about these issues and, you know, um, and that's the reason why I said, you know, I'll i absolutely accept the endorsement. Yeah. Um, for one, it, it helped me get on the ballot immediately. I didn't have to primary anyone. I didn't have to do a lot of those things. But we also align in terms of what our political views are. You know, we want to support the community. We want to protect right. our planet. You know.
1: Yeah, and the Green Party has a long history. I mean, with Ralph Nader and and uh, right. you know, so it has a lot of legitimacy. And we and had Howie Michelle Hawkins, Bickering on, yeah. too,
0: who was one of your, I guess, uh, running on the same governor. ticket as
1: you,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. running for governor. And you know Howie Hawkins, he ran for president in 2020. He actually came out here to um, campaign with me, so we um, we hit a couple events together, um, and it, it was it was great, you know, having someone who ran for president um, come and support my my local election. Um, out in the community with me, getting signatures. It was really, uh, it really made me feel like um, it's possible for me to to reach the heights that I need to, uh, you know, eventually. Well, I think that's what one thing that's good about
1: these days, rather than the you know, before. Um, we have that social media now. We have other um avenues to promote. Are, you know, your platforms and things like that. And I want to get to your platform in a minute. Um, that will give somebody like you a chance. Do you know what I mean? Because you can reach a lot of people through social media and just getting out there and meeting with the public. Whereas some of these, like you say, your incumbent's been in there 30 years, he's almost feels like it's his job now. And, um, He doesn't probably get out there into the community as much. And if he does, he doesn't know where to go. You know, he doesn't know where the real people are who are impacted by some of these policies that have been put in place. He doesn't know what the real needs of the community are, whereas somebody like you has that advantage where you're probably out there meeting people, going to events and doing things and then doing your thing on social media as well. Um, And I think that does give you an advantage. and, And I just... You know, I'm a big advocate of third parties because I I'm always been an unaffiliated voter. And I just feel like the way the regulations are set up with the debates, even on a federal level or even on the state level, the third parties, because they don't have a ton of money, um, seem to get pushed aside, you know, and unless you are an active and aware person, uh, who, who does go out and actually look at the issues and look at all the candidates, they seem to have a monopoly on, on politics. And, and I, I just, it's not working anymore. We need a third choice because there well, are people, like you said, in the middle, independents. Who...
2: You know, I, this is a big thing because if I'm not wrong, I remember back in school, they teach that ultimately it's a two-party system. Yeah, you know it's one of those things. Well, you're taught there's Republican Democrats. You have mule and the elephant, and you see all the. This is how it becomes a bill, and you know Schoolhouse Rock and all that other stuff, and it always showed it as a two party system or not in, not really educated the young. And now, it, like you said, Joe, you have to almost be completely woke these days or aware or something active before you even know about it. And I think that that's where. Even on the state level, we could take that and push it a little bit further and take away from actually listing individuals' uh, parties on the ballot. I know that there's uh, one town someplace in the middle. I saw it on, uh, on uh, what's the drug TV channel that they have? I forget it. Uh, it's got like Pharmacopia on advice. They sent a black reporter into, like, the most racist town. It's the, where the KKK was started and all that other stuff. And they actually don't even put a party on it. And the guy who's running the town is actually a, an Indian gentleman uh, from Canada. And it's just because he does the best job. Because they had no idea what political party he was from. But they said all the nasty, horrible things about his individual person. Right. So... Yeah,
1: it's and it wasn't always
2: that way here,
1: even in the States, if people know their history, there were other parties. There was a time when we had like three or four parties here uh, and then it got whittled down. And then you see in Canada, they have many other parties in Britain. They have many other parties The people have more choices. And I think we need that here. Michael, I really appreciate you going out there and, and trying to shake it up. I'm looking at your platform here. And, and I wanted to say
0: something real quick. Um yeah. we uh because of an endorsement that Ned Lamont just recently got, you know, we might be moving towards a, a future where, you know, other other parties do have a chance through ranked choice voting. Um, he promised to mm-hmm. state that um, you know, in future elections. So ranked choice basically means that um, you know, you can you can take that chance and vote for someone else and put the main person as your second choice or you know, you can You can vote um, in ways that will you'll feel a lot more comfortable because people are afraid of votes being stolen and things like that, um, that they don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah,
1: I like that idea of the ranked choice voting. I hope the state fulfills their promise and goes through with it. It's something I'd like to see on a federal level, Mm -hmm. but I think we're a long way away from that. But I was looking at your platform, and the issues that you're pretty much supporting are racial justice, criminal justice, environmental justice, education, healthcare. Now, here's the one that gets me uh, a little confused: food and desserts. So, <laughs> did you throw that in there as to nah. make sure people are paying attention? <laughs> no, nah, it's food deserts. Unless there's a type. Oh, food deserts. Okay, no, that's yeah. me. So that so that means a lack of food for uh, yeah. You had yep. me
0: scared for a minute. I was going to go pull my website up. Like, oh, oh Des- You know, it, it is a
1: little confusing, but it, I get what that means now. And of course, yeah. housing. Mm-hmm. And, and these are, of course, issues that any one of us, you know, who aren't rich and who aren't, who aren't there, who are part maybe of the dwindling middle class. Um, these are big issues for all of us. Um, you know, especially like the environmental justice that that transcends racial lines there education that affects all of us it doesn't you know what i mean if you poor education is poor education uh and health care as well that is these are things that all of us especially these days the way things are going are going to affect us greatly and And you know
0: and i don't mean to cut you off joe excuse me but what a lot of people don't understand is that a lot of the issues are really intersectional. So yeah. a lot of these issues kind of end up barreling into each other. And, you know, a lot of people might even a lot of people get really upset when it comes, especially racist people. Right. They got really upset when it comes to um, uh, racial equity and, and racial justice issues. Yeah. But they, they're unaware that these types of things will affect their lives positively, too. Um, you know, example, um, say we do what we do with cannabis, with our what our education system and and, um, you know, our, and solve the housing crisis. Then what we're looking at is a, an, a massive drop in crime. We're looking at a, a a huge addition to the entire state's tax base. Right. Um, you know, these are these are things that would directly impact the entire state of Connecticut. But people really choose to live these these closed minded lives where they don't look at the big picture that if we have stronger, a stronger education system in Hartford, then we will have uh, uh, more people getting jobs and contributing to our taxes and owning homes and, you know, um, you know, helping out the entire state um, in different ways. And, uh, and, and, and that bothers me that people don't see the big picture yeah. that, you know, Yeah.
1: Unless they have kids in the system. Right. Then, you know, that's that's I think a lot of people are starting to realize a lot of parents are starting to realize that the education system that their kids are going through now, the public education system is not the same public education system that they may have gone through 20
2: years ago. Well, Um, you know, we're in New Haven. That's a big one. Yeah. Our schools are underfunded down here and we have Yale which pays no taxes right you know so the town the employees the people that live in the city they don't benefit from having Yale here but Yale benefits from all the great things that the community does for it yeah you know this is one of those topics that's going on
1: yeah Yale basically owns New Haven you know (laughs) pretty much and and you know Hartford, you have the same thing. It's not as bad anymore, but the insurance companies used to pretty much run Hartford. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's not so
0: bad anymore.
1: No, a lot lot of them left left. because of the taxes.
0: (laughs) Right. And that's one
1: thing I think people need, you know, I'm, I'm hoping uh, that we can tackle the amount of high taxes here in the state that, you know, it's like, we go back to cannabis. If they get the revenue from cannabis, um, they, they, you know, they, they could lighten up on some of these taxes.
0: And that's and, a big thing for me too.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was one of the reasons I left the state. I just felt like I was paying too much and not getting anything in return. You know, I'm paying all these taxes, but why are my roads still crappy? You know, and it just, uh, and why is the school system still bad? And, and where are all these taxes going? And that's what you have to start questioning. And, you know, I think it's going to be people like you on the other side, independent people who, if, if you can get in, can really make a real, a big difference. Um, do you find that you're getting acceptance from, let's say, uh, other forms of media? Have you been, uh, you know, interviewed by newspapers or by mainstream television, or has this pretty much been a grassroots campaign?
0: you know we've done a lot i've done a lot of interviews like uh podcasts and you know um uh, i've done my i've had a few you know runs in the local newspaper too hartford current that's probably the biggest
1: that's um, good
0: you know the biggest article about me right now is out with the hartford current and it kind of was like a biography almost with how much it covered um Outside of that, you know, I haven't gotten any interviews with like uh, Hot 93.7 or anything like that. Which um, you would think, right? You know, you would Even think YBC? People, a lot of them, you know, are still super democratic. Um, yeah. A lot of my community, the Black community, is super democratic too. And, you know, you can even ask some and they don't even know why. But, you know, that's right. where we are, unfortunately. That's, um, yeah, that's another thing.
1: Yeah, but I, I see, a change. I, yeah, see a change.
0: I do see a change.
1: I do see a lot of people getting tired of what the Democrats are pushing these days. And, yeah. um, you know, it's it, there's got to be more done because a lot of it is just lip service. But that's my you know, I'm a third party, independent kind of guy. I vote with my heart, you know, and if I was in your district, I would vote for you. So, <laughs> I know I'm voting third party for governor. Right. Um But um, so tell us, Mike, we only got a couple minutes left. How do people get a hold of you? How do people support your campaign?
0: Um, You know, just the best way to support what you're doing. Uh, The best way to support me is visit mikeforct.org. You can look at where my uh, stances are on a lot of the issues, make a contribution. We're still raising money up until Election Day. um, And you can donate, I believe, up to a thousand dollars. Um, You know, and I think the minimum is $5, so we definitely are in need of funds to continue hitting the streets um, the way that we have been, you know, going door to door. We're not a major party. We don't get access to a lot of the stuff that uh, Democrats or Republicans do, Um, so we need help from the community. Um, Outside of that, you know, just visit my Instagram as well and my Twitter. My Instagram has a lot of the infographics that explain a lot of the issues that uh, that we are fighting for uh, change. Um, so definitely check out the Instagram, bunch of infographics there. And you can reach me at info at mikeforct.org. Um, and again, the website is mikeforct.org. Right, so please, everybody,
1: November 8th, Election Day, if you're in the, in the uh, District 1 area, take a chance on Mike, because obviously the 30-year incumbent Isn't really, hasn't really been doing much. So why not take a chance? And that's my message, Mike. I want to thank you for all the work you've done, not only in the cannabis community, but in the community at large. And I wish you the best in your campaign. And I, you know, and I hope that being on this show has helped and given you a little bit more exposure, but again, people Mike at Mike for CT. If you have a little extra money, throw a little something into the campaign he is a cannabis supporter. And I know that when it comes down to voting for new cannabis regulations, he will be voting for the betterment of the cannabis industry and not for the betterment of the corporate. So, Mike, thank you again. We appreciate you coming on. Lou, do you have any final words?
2: As always, say happy, healthy, and hi. Enjoy your time. And, you
0: know. Okay. That's, a big, and- that's a big bro right there, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's nah, it man I'm just, just so stay good. happy
1: yeah. healthy and high as long as you can do that that's that's half the battle yeah. all right mike thank you so much you can follow me at joe the weed guy or at Haven media we will see you next week where we have freedom love from blue dream radio coming on all right again all right nor you can hit that music we're ready to go
0: because i got high. because i got high. la 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 was gonna go to class before I got high.